You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. The reality is if if the pace you know that I'm on in terms of the interceptions, if that were to continue, uh, you know, I I won't finish the season. I won't, you know what I mean? So uh, there's a little bit of, you know, you got to improve, whether it's them telling me, hey, we got to improve or or them pulling me. You got to get better. And, and uh, that'll be what the rest of the season will be about for me. Yeah. All right. A little pie chart of blame coming up on Mackie and Judd today. We will also pay tribute to Sid Hartman, a hundred year run for Sid Hartman. Um, also, just right off the bat, if you haven't already checked it out, I believe it should be available right now as we are uh, talking to you guys. A special Roycey Unchained, either on the Roycey Unchained podcast feed or on the Mackie and Judd podcast feed, where Judd and Patrick Roycey, both longtime colleagues of Sid Hartman, tell stories and reflect and reminisce. So, uh, definitely check that out. Before we dive into our show here today, a quick shout out to Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Federated has been helping business owners, speaking of 100 years, for over 100 years, based in Owatonna, Minnesota. 1904 is when Federated was founded. And uh, they're on Twitter, too. Think about that. They were founded in 1904, and they have they have evolved into the social media era the last 10 years. They're on Twitter, at Federated INS, if you want fresh, relevant risk management content. On a variety of topics, whether it's working in extreme temperatures, going to get some low-end extreme weather this week, it sounds like, distracted driving, you name it, at Federated INS on Twitter. And if you're a business owner and you want to find out how Federated helps business owners and helps provide peace of mind, FederatedInsurance.com. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Yeah, you, uh, I mean, you go back and correct what took place. You talk about it. You, uh, uh, you know, take the coaching that, that you need to get and, uh, and you need to, you know, be hard on yourself too and coach yourself and uh, identify, you know, why mistakes are happening and, and correct them, fix them, you know, whether that's... Um, you know, in the way you prepare on the field, off the field, you know, whatever it may be. That was uh, that was Kirk Cousins. Maybe his worst game as a Viking. And I don't care about what happened in garbage time. That guy threw three interceptions in the first half, including one on in the first play. And we're going to get into all of that pie chart of blame. We, we we will do, we'll find a way anyway to do silver linings after a... I'm looking forward Vikings to how we're going to do that. <laughs> okay. We'll find a way. It's going to be an experiment. <laughs> Might be a short segment. In reaching. <laughs> Things we learned in the NFL this Sunday, uh, but middleway through that game, our mutual friend Chad Hartman tweeted out that his father, Sid Hartman, the legendary, iconic Sid Hartman, really the face of Minnesota sports for decades and decades, passed away at the age of 100. And Judd, you worked with Sid very closely at the Star Tribune for a long time. Um, Declan and I have certainly been around him in press boxes and whatnot. And I, I have my own stories to share too, but 
Um, just real quick, the, the the full deep dive is in the Royce Unchained episode, and you guys did an hour, and uh, and that's where the full deep dive is. But just your quick thoughts here for our Mackie and Judd audience on uh, Sid Hartman passing away. Uh, three things come to mind immediately now that I've had time to reflect on yesterday. One is it's only fitting that he passed away during a game itself. So, like, because we we always said that he would die in a press box, which he did not, thankfully. What was the score of that game when he passed uh, They were way behind. They were way behind. Kirk Cousins. Man. He just said, you know what? So that's one. Two is the most fitting Sid thing ever. The tribute to Sid is this. On the day he died, his column was in the Sunday paper. Yeah. Like, there is no more Sid Hartman thing than because we always said he will work till the day he dies. And he did. And, and then he, he'll he he'll probably on die on died. a keyboard or in a press box, and thankfully he did not. But he had a column in the Star Tribune on his dying day. Amazing. The third thing is, and everyone I've talked to, including you, has said this, and it's absolutely true. We've been talking about Sid retiring and or probably dying for the better part of 25 years, okay? Um, we We have been preparing for it. It went from being, I think in both cases, uh... This is going to happen someday to almost a gag of he's never going to die. We'll all be dead first. He got hit by a car like six years he ago. He bounced off the car outside Target Center, chastised the woman who hit him, and went in and covered the game. I believe the line was, watch the bleep where you're going. He got up and went into the game. Um, but the thing is, so you sent me the note that Sid had died and alerted me to Chad's tweet about it. I'm sitting there in the press box, and I haven't seen Sid in months. I haven't seen Sid since since the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at the note from Chad, and I'm processing it like a guy who's 32 has died. Yeah, like I'm I'm no. I'm having to process it. This is a man who's 100 years old. The ordinary, I think, the ordinary reaction to anybody Sid's age who dies is the immediate reaction, not the oh, that's a shame. The immediate reaction is, that's a great life. That's a great life. This is not surprising. You know, I actually was surprised. And it is a, it is a great life, but it, I'm with you. He's 100 years old, and everyone's just sort of shell-shocked. Like, what? Yeah. Sid Hartman died? How is that possible? And, you know, we were just talking with, with Patrick Royce off microphone. So Patrick turned 75 years old this weekend. Uh, you are 50 or 51 now? Uh, almost 51. You're, so you're you're 50. I'm 35. Declan's in his late 20s. So whether you're in your late 20s and you're Declan or whether you are 75 years old and you're Patrick Royce, Sid Hartman has been a daily fixture in your life if you're a Minnesota sports fan. And so it just I'm trying to I'm trying to think of a comparison. It, it It's not like your grandfather dying or I mean, it's like a part of your Minnesota sports daily consciousness has died. It's a part of your daily consumption habits a part of the fabric of the teams that you've rooted for, whether again, whether you're 75 or 25, it's it. He's been part of the fabric of your favorite teams here in this town for almost a century as a working man. Yeah. And he was, so he, he started selling papers, I think in, uh, as a kid around 1930 or so, he started writing a column for one of the Minneapolis papers around 1945. But he, he was born in 1920, okay? Like, he goes back to Babe Ruth. Like, he was, until yesterday, on this planet, 
a man who who goes back to the time that so yeah i it's just this all encompassing and and so many people who knew Sid through the years also saw uh different generations of, of Sid your experience with Sid b- both in in print and on CCO and in person Phil is different from mine mine is different from Patrick's he spanned so many different generations and did so many different things that we all have we all have um Sid's stories and we all have periods in which Sid was extremely important in the sports market but they're all different because it's so vast i mean you're 30 something right 35 yep right Dex is 27. We all have these different remembrances and ideas of Sid because the man worked for so long and wrote so many thousands of different columns and pieces and had so many scoops uh, at the various papers through the years. Yeah, I did enjoy I I was on my way into the office, into the studio this morning, and I had to flip on WCCO. Just I was driving between like 830 and nine o'clock coming into the office. And so I caught the last 15 minutes or so of Dave Lee's show in the morning. And that's so real quick before I jump into that and, and praise that. That's how I grew up on Sid. So I remember, you know, born in 1985. I remember every single morning as a kid, my parents and I and my, and my parents got divorced when I was six or seven. So um, I spent, you know, five days a week at my mom's and then a couple you know weekends and stuff at my dad's. And and for sure on the weekdays, WCCO's morning show was on all the time. And so I always caught the six o'clock. It was like the six forty or something hit every single morning for years and years with Sid Hartman and Eric Escala. And it was just like must listen to radio as a kid growing up. And so to flip on, because uh, I think Sid did what well, he did like six forty, he did eight forty, yeah, something did like, like that. Three or four hits per morning, I think. Yep. And so this morning, Chad did the eight forty hit oh, that's instead cool. of Sid with mm-hmm. Dave Lee. And it was it was emotional. It was great. I mean, go we don't ordinarily promote other radio stations and media platforms, but go check it out on demand um, however you can. And um, it was, it was amazing. And I think what stands out to me too is because everyone, everyone keeps saying and they're right. There's never going to be another Sid Hartman. And while that's true, like there's never going to be another character and, and figurehead like Sid Hartman. I also think the era that he represents the sports media era that he represents is a bygone era. And it kind of has been a bygone era for like, 15 or 20 years, but he has kept it alive uh, because he has kept working until the age of 100. And it's it's the era where a singular sports columnist could rule a market and could influence change and 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 really have authority as a figure in a top 20 or 25 sports market. Yep. Media is too fragmented now. There's just, yep. there, and there's there's team centric media don't platforms to local journalists now. Yes. They go to Adam Schefter. I mean, Sid Hartman for decades, I mean, not only was he running the Lakers in the 50s, but like even as a as a columnist and as an insider was influencing moves behind the scenes for decades in this town. Oh yeah, Sid had uh, power beyond belief. Um Sid has I I saw two things change for Sid in, in my time at the Star Tribune which started as a copy aide at the age of 19 in August of 89. The first thing I saw changed dramatically and it, it morphed and shifted for a while. So it was not one day. What was what Sid would complain about for years and eventually I think gave up conflict of interest. He could never get his head around why the local paper didn't want to promote and and cheer for the local team. And this is not a shot, but I will tell you right now, one place 
one media place in this market that owes Sid a debt of gratitude, Sid, KFAN. Because if you think about the approach of several of their hosts and towards the Vikings and things, and by the way, it works. It works. But if you think about the devotion that they show, that was Sid. Like, that was Sid years before anybody thought about all sports formats on radio, uh, before they thought about, you know, rubes and trying to capture that. Yeah. Sid had, Sid was the first one, really, who aggressively into the 80s and 90s went down that path of defending the teams at almost every turn, long after the majority of columnists and beat people in towns had been like, no, we're either going to be critical or, if nothing else, not take a stand. Would he ever turn on because because he always befriended coaches and it was it was partly because he was a huge fan and wanted the teams to do well. It was also a good business decision in that yes he would get inside information and scoops and in turn they would get good publicity and be painted in a positive light. Right? I mean, let's it was it was kind of kind of a game that was played and they trusted him because of it. But would he ever turn on prominent figures before? Like a, like a team would fire a coach and then he would write the yeah the here's the follow up sort of like why this had to happen. Right. Right. But did he ever do it beforehand? Like. Publicly, I mean, behind the scenes, he had sway and he had and he had connections. Right. But would he, would he, did he ever come out and say, yeah, Mike Tice needs to be fired? I'm, I'm going to tell the Wilson print. If he did, it was very rare. That, that coach would have had to literally screw him on a on a scoop. Yeah. Uh, and then he might get mad and and lash out the famous one. So, Phil, the, the most famous example of what you're talking about, where he did a, a pivot on a guy and absolutely hammered him. Go back and find, I believe it was during Carl Polad and the Twins' contraction. And I think when it looked really bad, but before the judge uh, came out here and blocked contraction, basically, when it looked like it was really going the wrong way and that there was a good chance that the Expos and Twins were going to be just flat-out killed, uh, I think I edited a column he did, I think it was me, where he hammered Polad. Like, just took off the gloves. Yeah. It's the meanest in print I've ever seen Sid be to, to a guy who was his friend to a certain degree, I think. Um, but that's what it took. Like, it took contraction. Yeah. So so if you started to struggle and lost five consecutive games, Sid was going to be the last guy on earth to, to say, you know what, let's fire Mike Tice. Do you guys remember the first time you ever saw Sid Hartman in person? Or, or if I could ask it a different way, all of us... You know, getting onto the sports media track professionally, right, in our own ways. The first time that you ever saw him, so you're on the track and you're, you know, an intern or you're part-time, whatever, like whatever your initial job was, and the first time you ran into Sid Hartman in that setting. I think mine, I think mine as uh, in the media might have been right before I started at the Star Tribune. I was at like a gopher hockey or basketball game. The first time I saw him was, so I, I was a super geek as a kid. I used to force my mom to take me to Twins games, and we'd sit in the second deck at the Met, and I would sit by the press box. And I remember seeing, like, Sid and Patrick and th- those guys in the old Met Stadium baseball press box. Uh, and at that point in time, Sid was late 70s, early 80s. Sid was around fifth. No, no, no. He had to be around, what, 60 by that time? But he was a giant at that point. And so, like, this was... and And... This is so hard to articulate now because it's changed, but this is 
literally pre-ESPN, mm-hmm. like there weren't celebrities nationally like there are now. They it, it was local. I mean, aside from the national sports shows, the media and the sports coverage was local, and so those were the big dogs. Uh, and seeing Sid, like you could tell very quickly by that point, and it's true that Sid ruled things, and everybody else was there and working. But Sid's sway back then was absolutely huge. Yeah, Dex, what about you? I had, I think I met that first time I saw him was probably um, in 2015. I worked for Major League Baseball Advanced Media as a photographer, and I think I remember seeing him at Target Field then and being in awe of it. Um, and then obviously. You know, I've had I had minor interactions with them. You know, by the end of it, that walker was a weapon. Oh yeah. So no, he would like he would yes. pi- he would pick it up. Yes, he'd pick the walker up, and he he's had a walker now for probably seven, six, seven years, somewhere in there that he's used I at least that you know right. partially. And he'd pick the walker up and like yep, wield it as a weapon and jam it in people's like get out of my way. Oh, it was genius. And it, as <laughs> he Judd, would walk yeah. the walker. And yeah. as Judd and Patrick were saying, like if he saw a, like one time I had a one on one with Brian Doger, I believe during the 2017 season. So like I waited for his scrum to finish, and then at a one on one, I organized it with Morse. And then of course, like I'm not even halfway through my first question. Here comes Sid. Oh yeah, no, you're and not. Then, get, and that, he, he and then the one on one became a one on scraggly clown. Became a one on one between Dozier and Sid, and then eventually Dozier was able to answer my questions. But it was just like, all right, here we yeah. go. That, Classic Sid. That was Sid. Yeah. That, that was Sid. Until about the last three years or so, I mean, he was he would just be a scrap iron dog man. He would. It didn't. If you had something that Sid was after, Sid, and this included if you worked with Sid. That was the crazy thing. Sid was going to get what he wanted. And I can't tell you guys the amount of times when I covered the Vikings where he would say stuff like, Tice is not going to be fired. You're crazy. You're like, Sid, I've heard from a really good source. He's going to be fired. He's not going to be fired. The maddening thing was after Tice got sacked and fired, Sid wouldn't be, be like, I'm sorry, I was wrong. He'd be like, oh, he got fired. And then he would pivot and write, Tice should have been fired. (laughs) And that was the funniest thing. Super competitive. And he was on to the next thing before you knew it. Leslie Frazier is not going to be. No, Sid, I think he is. I think he's going to be fired. The only way that I found to slow Sid down from if he got on a rant was to point out how poorly a local team was doing and then say that it depressed me, too. You're crazy about the Vikings. And I'd be like, Sid, this is so hard to accept. Have you seen how bad the Vikings? This really upsets me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess it does. But it was it, it was all a game. It was such a fun game for so long. Yeah. The mo- I, t- I told this story to, to you and Pat just before we jumped on and started recording the show here. But the most validation I have ever felt in my in my still pretty young career, like having just having been in sports media for 15 years or so and. I think I was two years in. Roycey and I did a show together for four years, Roycey and Mackey. And um, I'm trying to think of the setup here. So Sid and I had interacted in press boxes for probably starting in like 2005 or 2006. The first time I ever saw him was in the free hot dog line, Peg's Hot Dogs oh, at sure. the Metrodome oh, yeah. press box. I think I got elbowed out of the way for the the mustard or something. But um, and And I believe he spilled mustard on his white shirt and... Asked if I could hand him a napkin. From, that was a Sid staple. So, 
spilling Classic. mustard on the white shirt. Mm-hmm. And um, and so we had run into each other in press boxes, you know, starting in like 2005 when I was an intern and just like gathering audio in clubhouses and stuff. And then I covered the Vikings from 2007 through 2009 for KFAN. And Kevin Seifert had left at this point or right around this point for his ESPN.com job. And so the front row in the press box for Vikings home games, it was a handful of you Star Tribune guys. And then it was me from KFAN.com. And then it was like Larry Fitzgerald Sr. and some others to the right, like Pioneer Press, like Sean Jensen, those guys to the right. Sure. And and the seats had shuffled to where like you didn't you you're you're like concentrate for three hours guy you don't want to be like ask having Sid ask you questions so oh yeah I wouldn't do that so you were on the other end of the Star Tribune line yes Sid was on the right end and, and and we sat next to each other and so for three years I would help him change batteries in that old school tape recorder he would because he, you know he he's in his mid 80s at this point or his early 90s or whatever it was mm-hmm. and so he'd elbow me like five times a game and ask like hey, who caught that pass or whatever and so he started to build this like okay I know that person's face. He helps change my batteries in his tape record in my tape recorder, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And then it graduated to I got the job at fifteen hundred ESPN and Patrick Royce and I do a show together. And Sid, I don't know how often he would listen, but listened enough to know that I was Mr. Stats was my nickname. He would call me Mr. So he must listen, yeah. Mr. Uh, you got Mr. Questions and Mr. Stats. Tom Pelissero was Mr. Questions and I was Mr. Stats. So he listened enough. But he would always do that routine where he'd go around press boxes and he'd make fun of people and he would just like, he'd rant about things. And it was all just like, it was all in fun. Sometimes he would get actually mad. Oh, it might stuff, not be right? in fun sometimes. But like, he'd go around and do his like, hey, it's Mr. So-and-so and Mr. So-and-so. And he would make fun of you and stuff. He'd go around. And in the middle of one of those routines in like 2011 or 2012, a couple of years into the Rice and Mackey show, it's like he snapped out of the routine. Mm-hmm. He put his arms up on the press box uh, table that I was sitting at mm-hmm. and he gets like a foot and a half away from my face. And it was like a real human emerged from the sort of, you know, the character. And he said, I just want to tell you, you do a damn good job with that Patrick Royce on the radio. Keep up the good work. And then he walked away. Yep. And it's the most like genuine interaction we ever had. Otherwise it was just like, you know, just talk, whatever, talking about random stuff. And it's the most validation I've ever felt. And I had to sit there for a few minutes like, oh, my God, Sid Hartman just walked up unsolicited and complimented me. Yeah. Wow. Like, yeah. Imagine telling seven-year-old you know, Phil Mackey that this was going to happen. Or your dad, who, who would yeah. have been thrilled because parents person were I, thrilled by that stuff. He was the first person I called afterwards. That's so, really cool. So I thank, I thank Sid for helping to give me a moment of validation. So I spent about three years on the copy desk at the Star Tribune pretty much exclusively being the guy who read Sid's copy. And yes, Sid wrote his copy. Now, I kept it in Sid's voice, and I had to change all the names to the correct spellings because he couldn't spell names and would often just guess. Uh, But the first question I always got is, does Sid really write still? And I can tell you that when I was on the copy desk and read Sid's column, he still wrote it. But here's the best example, too, of both Sid, of both Sid's popularity here and the change in the reporting business in the last probably 20 years, Phil. The famous column, Randy Moss, I play it when I want to play. Okay. Randy Moss, for the most part, as a player, hated the media. He hated, he, dis- yeah. he, did, he did not trust adults. He did not like adults, uh, but he loved Sid. So, so here's the best, the two best parts about this story were uh, Sid at that time, I think, wrote for like Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday. Okay. So Moss gives, I think Moss gives Sid this 
anecdote on a Monday. And Seifert reminded me last night that Seifert actually, so Sid wrote the column, which was, of course, a mess and had to be cleaned up. But the column was done and sitting in our computer system at that time at the Star Tribune. Seifert came in like Monday night and read the column and he saw the quote. And now I believe the quote was at the bottom of the lead item. And Seifert told the copy desk, he's like, this is huge. Randy Moss is saying basically to the Vikings, I'll play when I damn well decide to play. Mm-hmm. This is circa 2000 or so, I think. Yeah. Um, at that time, Seifert is told, and Sid, including Sid, said, I write for Wednesdays. It's not going in Tuesday's paper. So this was, we held, we had in our computer system this quote that now you couldn't get out on the internet fast enough, okay? So he, so Sid talked to Randy one Exclusively. on one and got that quote. And okay. Randy, and Randy, being a smart dude, told Sid he full well knew that he was going to set off a brush fire or a huge fire. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the second part, though, was Sid had this, I think, at the bottom of, of his lead item for that day. So let's say it appeared in Thursday's paper. I read it on Wednesday on the copy desk. So I'm cleaning up the column, getting the name spelled right, putting them in bold. I see this quote and I'm like, this is way too low and this is way too good. So I take the quote and move it up in the column and put it in the headline. And of course it instantly takes off. Not kudos to me, but it's just how different the business was too and how much control. I mean, so did, did, did so have Sid control is, over headlines? No. No, people who write stories basically don't. Mm-hmm. But we're talking 20 years back. So yeah. he's circa, he's approximately 80 at this time. And Randy Moss has given him a quote that now, to my point, you couldn't get out in the public fast it, enough. It's funny because the order of events now, let's say you let's say you were even lucky enough to get a one-on-one with a guy like Randy Moss as a local media member, okay. right? Which really doesn't happen. Correct. Like local media members, their leverage to get inside information now compared to ten or twenty years ago is almost zero. Yes, even from like like you you and Seifert, and then you and Chip, and then when you and Tom Pelissero were a tandem here in two thousand eleven and twelve, you guys broke a ton of local Viking stories. Yep, it's that gotten. I don't know are even like breakable ten years later in some ways. Like some of them are breakable, but with social media blowing up and national uh, reporters having platforms, yes. It's just more efficient for guys to go to the national level. So let's say that happens and you get the local, holy crap, Randy Moss just told me he plays when he wants to play. Mm-hmm. Um, but my column doesn't run for two more days. <laughs> like the the order of events now would be you instantly tweet it before writing anything probably and let's give away all your <laughs> like leverage. Yep. I guess I guess if you were the only one, you could you could put it on the website. And, but you still and, get it out. You, you get it out like within the hour. Immediately. Basically. Yeah. It's amazing. But think about that. Yeah. And that's 20 years back. I didn't that, realize that's that Sid not... got that one-on-one. I play when I want to play. Oh, Moss Legendary. Moss would not talk to... Uh, he did a few um, group things, but for the most part, Sid would go in, hey, Moss, you got... And Moss would be, hey, Sid, what's going on? And it was the greatest. And <laughs> yeah. Moss... But, but, but guys like KG and Moss loved him. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you right now, the majority of people who have notepads, pens, and tape recorders or cassettes... Or whatever they have, were not loved by those guys. Yeah, not at all. Hey, one more quick anecdote from a, one of my friends texted me and reminded me of this. Uh, I think it was when NBA City had just rebranded to Hubert's, the, the other Hubert's, just connected to the Target Center, right? Oh, yeah. 
And I didn't know this about Sid, but apparently he would sometimes cover the first half of a Timberwolves game, or he'd cover the pregame, get the quotes and stuff. And then sometimes he would just go and belly up at the bar, not to like drink alcohol, but he would belly up at the bar and like get food alone inside Hubert's when all the fans were in the arena, when it was a little bit more empty. Yeah. (laughs) And so one of my, a friend of a friend, so this is kind of a friend of a friend story, but, um, but I trust it. A friend of a friend from Wisconsin was in town visiting huge Packers fan, Badgers fan. And the Vikings were going to play the Packers. This is a handful of years ago. I can't remember. Some big Vikings Packers game was on the horizon. And so my friend's got a couple beers in him. He walks up and it's like, oh my God, is that Sid Hartman just like sitting at the bar right now? Like, no way. And they're trying to get a view, you know, it's like, I mean, he's pretty, pretty distinct looking. So they, they finally realize even a few beers in like, oh my God, that's Sid Hartman. And so my drunk friend from Wisconsin kind of wobbles up and, hey, Sid Hartman, you know, hey, I'm, I'm so-and-so. And Sid just wants nothing to do with it because he's there to just like, I think he's. I think there might have been a Wolves game on TV, and then like another game uh, or a Wolves game in the arena, and then like another game on TV or something that he's trying to pay attention to, like a go for basketball game or something. And uh, so my friend gets kind of rejected. Like Sid doesn't turn, and finally my friend says, "Well, I'm a Packers fan, and uh, you guys are in trouble this weekend or something." And Sid turns, almost like like the Rocky bells going off. Sid turns to my friend and says, "You say you're a Packers fan." We're going to kick your ass this weekend. You get the hell. Like, he just starts berating him for being a Packers fan in the middle of Hubert's downtown. Oh, that was Sid. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sid would, yep. Sid would berate you, and that, that's the thing is, I mean, there's so He'd be many like great a, Sid stories because of that. High school parents for their kids going, who is Blake, Blake Wheeler Blake yesterday. Wheeler, who tweeted that he berated his mom, and Sid doesn't even <laughs> like hockey. That's my favorite part. Like, football, basketball, I totally can see. But, you know. Blake's mom, who, by the way, the nicest person on the face of the earth, gets a phone call from Sid. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Your kid better play. It's um. So l- last thing on Sid from me, 1991, the Twins have just won the World Series. And this is just, so Sid's 71-ish. This is the power of Sid at that time, okay? Sid has to to reward the Star Tribune Sports Department for its coverage. Sid has a get-together rents out the ballroom or the room in the Calhoun Beach Club for us and has Kevin Tapney, Herbeck, and maybe one or two more twins show up. And they show up and actually, like, mingle with newspaper people. Think about this for a second. And Sid was so, it, it was really cool because I, I took Dawn and Sid was so incredibly proud. And like, he's like, you know, get up to have me say something. And so like these guys are the Twins players who show up on a Sunday. They've just won a World Series. Okay. So the power of Sid, a newspaper man, it can get two very prominent Twins players who just won a World Series title to show up for a bunch of newspaper people yeah. because he, he thought, you know, and rightfully so, the paper had done a great job of covering the twins. But that's that's the type of thing now. It's hard to process that. Two more quick anecdotes along those lines of just like how connected Sid was, and just when he talked about close personal friends, maybe he was over exaggerating a little bit with some people, but not really, because he, he was able to pick up the phone and put in requests and things. Mm-hmm. And I saw a couple of our, our local media brethren tweet anecdotes yesterday. So Doogie was one of them. Doogie in 2002 was a part-time producer at KFAN. And him and, uh, and a college friend 
we're going to be in New York on a trip or whatever. It was like, I was going to say spring break, but it was during the baseball season. So they must have been on some like summer trip to New York. Mm-hmm. And and Doogie was also producing for Chad Hartman. So so, and I think they might have even gone. I think there might have been a connection to uh, to the JCC too in St. Louis Park. So there's sure. they went to the same uh, religious places, whatever. Anyways, so. Sid catches wind that Doogie's going to be in New York and they're going to go to the Yankees game. They'd like to, they're trying to see if they can get tickets or something. He had great Yankees tickets. So Sid calls George Steinbrenner. Yeah. Do, Doogie and, uh, and his friend John, who now works for the Red Sox, they get, so they get these, they get seats, but then somebody comes walking up to them and like taps Doogie on the shoulder from the Yankees and says, Excuse me, are you Darren? Uh, yeah, yeah. Please come with us. And they moved. They move these two like twenty-two-year-old college kids to the George Steinbrenner ownership seats, front row, next to the batter circle, the on-deck circle. Yep. Just like two random dudes from Minnesota, because Sid Hartman picked up the phone and called George Steinbrenner. Another one, Justin Gard, producer at KFN, who I used to intern for like fifteen years ago. So, and I think Doogie was involved in this too, which is how the the ticket connection was made. So they. I don't know if they had the, the trip planned to Notre Dame Stadium or if the, the trip was sort of like we we're maybe thinking about going to the USC Notre Dame game, the Bush push game, as it turned out to be. Mm-hmm. But uh, they go to the game. Sid Hartman gets them tickets on the envelope. When they get the tickets from Will Call at Notre Dame Stadium, the envelope says P. Carroll because Pete Carroll was the coach of USC. Yeah. Sid called Pete Carroll. And got tickets for Doogie and Justin Guard Sid's to go to the USC Notre Dame Bush Push game. Sid's hookup on seats, which <laughs> I used a few times, was one of the most incredible because if Sid got you seats, they were going to be great seats. And he would tell you sometimes, tough ticket, don't know, I'll try. But then he would call the coach, the GM, the owner. Um, he, he once pulled me aside on a Friday or Saturday, I think it was, and said that he had gotten somebody two seats for that weekend's penguins wild game but they had turned them down or they couldn't use the seats he asked me do you want them i said of course yeah i'll take them i'm off i'll go they were on the glass yeah the man never got bad seats for the most part it was the most incredible thing yeah you're never sitting in like the third deck but his stein his back to his his steinbrenner connection and he he and george were so close that his hookup in Yankee Stadium was always incredible. In fact, he he and Steinbrenner went back. He befriended George when I think George Steinbrenner was maybe a special teams coach, assistant coach at Purdue for football. Amazing. They went back to the 50s. Yeah. And that that's the thing is, he befriended Holtz when Holtz was nobody. Steinbrenner, same thing. But Grant. I mean, they, but they Grant, were they were the kids. They were yeah. kids and friends. But he he went back with so many of those guys to a time where where they were, you know, just like slappies and Sid adopted them. There there was one time he this is the best. It's a Saturday and I think I was a copy at at the time, so I'm probably twenty two or twenty. And Sid asked my buddy at the paper, because it's our uh, dinner break, do you want to go out to eat? We're like, oh yeah, cool, sure. He's like, okay. We get in, in his car, driving with Sid. Deftifying, by the way, deftifying. <laughs> it was really scary. Uh, and go to the Vecchios on campus. Man, he parks. Rest, rest in peace, Vecchios on campus too. He parks in the back lot. He's like, follow me. We're like, okay, cool. We walk in through the kitchen. 
It's like a scene from a movie. We're walking through the kitchen, and he's giving the same grief that he gives upon arrival at the Star Tribune to the people in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> and we get this prime table, and we get sir, and it's just incredible. Like the the stories like that were so much fun and you are a kid at the time and you don't appreciate it, but you're like, I know it's special. I just don't know how special. And, and upon seeing that he had passed so many of those come flooding back because it's just such a, it's such a unique thing. He also just had special behind the rope privileges that he had sort of cultivated and created himself over the years Yeah, that, other media members and other even Star Tribune employees just didn't have. Or you couldn't have. Yeah. I mean, they You'd were like, be fired now for some of those things. You think about like at Winter Park, for instance, the, the longtime Vikings practice facility up until they built the new one. And, uh, and they always had the media scrums, at least the last like 15 years or 10 years of it. They would always have the, the press conferences and the podium things yep. in the corner of the practice facility. And then the, the media room was across the street when they built the new media center. And that, those are really the two areas you could explore. You could explore the practice fields when you had permission. You could explore the indoor, uh, just the field house area when there's press conferences. And then you could be in the, the media center across the street. Well, Sid was able to walk into the weight room area and walk into the offices and oh, like, yeah. literally just like go where all the players could go. Yes. And I always remember local media people just like bitching about it, right? Why does he get to go back in there? And it's like. Oh, because he's Sid Hartman, he's Sid and that's Hartman. the way it's been since well, the '60s. And he was never, and and he was never going to betray trust. Like if you you let me go back there, I'd be trying to dig up stuff. And Sid <laughs> oh, would. Oh, Versante Shanko icing his knees. Yeah, and Sid would, but you would never find out. That's the thing. That's the difference. And I think today's people who work as reporters find it repulsive. But the difference back then and through Sid was. He went by a set of rules that caused teams and coaches and management to trust him. Yeah. Totally different. And you couldn't do it now if you wanted to. I mean, those days are gone. But, yeah, I mean, he he would wander around and go into coaches' offices and berate them or give them grief. And But the one thing that they knew was if they didn't want something to get out, it wasn't going to yeah. get out. And And for a long time, that was fine. Okay, one last thing. And then the, there's another full deep dive, Royce Unchained, part of the Mackie and Judd podcast feed, where Judd and Pat tell stories galore. Um, you mentioned Sid's driving. Oh, so so he drove that black Cadillac around for a long time until a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And he, it was just a boat of a new oh, yeah. black Cadillac. And <laughs> I'll never forget, like, I've only been in a couple little fender benders, so I'm lucky enough, knock on wood, to never have, but like the closest I ever got to being in just a horrible situation. <laughs> 55 in Winnetka about nine years ago. And I'm waiting to turn left. And so I'm waiting for a, a, a an arrow to turn left onto, I think it was Winnetka. I get the green arrow <laughs> and I go across and I'm turning left. And all of a sudden, like I had, I had, I have trust that when I get the green arrow, the cars coming from the other direction are just going to stop right Mm-mm. and so i start i creep out i get the green arrow i start turning left and coming from the other side turning right full speed ahead with like no regard black cadillac and i at this point I have no idea who it is right and i so i slam on the brakes and i hit the horn and this person doesn't just like you know sometimes people will turn into the right lane yes and uh, you turn in the left which is still bs by the way yes. like let me make my turn yes 
this person not only takes up their lane, but cuts into the left lane. So, like, coming up doesn't stop at the red. And I'm just like, I I feel like I almost just died. And so I I speed up to pull up next to this person just to, like, you know, see who it is and give him a piece of my mind. Sure enough, Sid Hartman. Of course it is. Oh, yeah, <laughs> driving. killed me on 55 and one neck. Being like in Sid's backseat was one of the most frightening things as far as driving I've ever experienced. And that was going from the Star Tribune on Portland to the Vescios in Dinkytown. Yeah, that that was nothing. No freeway involved. But yeah, yeah he was um, he was a driver who didn't necessarily abide by the rules of the road. It's amazing. So so Sid Hartman, a uh, hundred years and an icon and the face of Minnesota sports for a large, large chunk of those hundred years. And if you want even more inside stories and just anecdotes, Ricey Unchained today, and I'm sure there's going to be all kinds of other tributes. The Star Tribune's just done a heck of a job with everything in the print and in online editions. I know, so Ricey has an obituary that he started writing like 12 years ago and has updated a couple times. He also has a story, uh, an original story from yesterday too, on StarTribune.com. But we've got our our normal Monday things that we have to get into here, gentlemen, starting with these three things. But they're going to the air. Off the play, fake, and it's intercepted right off the bat by Deion Jones. Empty set on third and nine. And that ball is intercepted at the 40-yard line. Going down to cradle it, A.J. Terrell. That ball hit and intercepted. And Kirk Cousins has thrown three picks in the first half. This time it's Aluakon with his first career interception. And uh, let's just jump right into it. Now on Mackie and Judd. This chart makes it as clear as I can to you. The pie chart of blame. You want to blame somebody? Vikings lose to a winless Falcons team. They clearly had a pep in its step after firing Dan Quinn last week and dropped to 1-5 and five on the season going into the bye week. Kirk Cousins throws three interceptions in the first half, the only time in his career he's ever done that in the first half. Let's just go right into the pie chart of blame. Judd Zolgad, slice us your pie. This was a disgusting performance. This was absolutely grotesque. Uh, my pie chart of blame, only three pizzas. Not worth more. It's not worth an effort that the Vikings didn't give for me to try and divvy up too much pie. Plus, you know what? We just did this is easy. 40 great minutes on, I don't know about great, but we did 40 minutes of tribute on Sid Hartman. So, All right, I'll start from the bottom and work my way up, but keep in mind, it's just three pieces. The defense I'm going to give 10% to. The defense was not good. The defense is a work in progress. Some parts just stink. Some parts um, one would hope will improve. You thought you had seen improvement, I think, in Seattle and Houston, certainly. And there was a definite step back taken. So the defense, 10%, move on. 20% goes to Zim. This team was not prepared. I mean, they they have the Seahawks game. You came away and said, yeah, it's a loss, but there's good things here. I, I could get my head around justifying as tough as the Seahawks loss was. I could sort of justify things about that game, and there was good. And this is not a good – I mean, this is not a very good team. The Vikings aren't. So I could be positive about that. Uh, this game, man, yeah, the, the you know, Falcons had a pep in their step from Morris being their interim coach. I understand all of that, but you're at home. I know there's not fans, aside from, what, the 250 that they uh, had in the stadium, who, by the way, should have been allowed to boo. But uh, that was that was really bad. That was an unprepared team, and it was a team that eventually 
that at some point in time, pretty early on, actually looked like it quit on the coach. And so I've got to give 20%, which is still not a ton, to Mike Zimmer. And that's because I'm saving 70% for the guy who <laughs> deserves it. Kirk Cousins, this loss starts with you. It's on you. You were awful. You padded your stats. You got up post game and talked about if I continue to throw picks like this, I'll be benched, which is nonsense. It's BS and you know it because the Vikings don't have the guts to get a backup quarterback who they think can replace you because you're so soft to start with. Everything about you is disgusting. I was disgusted by your effort. You are you were a complete joke when your team and by the way too let's go back to the third quarter in seattle when your team needed you to calm things down and you couldn't even do that instead you went completely freaked out and threw a terrible pick every time you screw up we're like your parents well it's not kirk's fault his friend johnny gave him the weed well guess what kirk smoked the weed and that is kirk's fault 70 percent goes to a gutless effort that's padded in a box score and the only thing that bugs me is that you weren't yanked at half time so you had to eat those stats and accept how crappy you were instead you're left in to pad your stats like you always are because everyone's coddling your ass you don't deserve it hey you held him to 20 points man you gave us a chance at the end but i got three words for you you like that bravo judd's all good disgusting bow thank you thank you very much take a bow wow a lot of pent-up anger here all right, uh, Declan, you want to give us your pie chart of blame sure, here? Sure, I'll, I'll be pretty quick here. I, the I, Rock I, knows how you feel about pie. I'm same with Judd. I give 70% of the blame to Kirky Cousins uh, for that performance hmm. yesterday. Just embarrassing. I mean, the first play of the game, the pick, I was sitting down, drinking a mimosa, right after my Corona hard seltzers, <laughs> and I said, all right, as long as we don't screw up. I was with a buddy. I said, as long as we don't screw up here, I think we're going to be okay. First play of the game, interception. Just like... <laughs> So on brand. Just are you are you kidding me? So seventy percent of the blame to Kirk Cousins and the garbage time stats. Yeah, I think I looked it up yesterday. His actually his performance against the Colts in week two is his worst performance from a passer rating standpoint in his career as a starter. So that did happen. But this one I think was even worse than that. Because from the get go, it just was off the rails. So seventy percent of the blame going to Kirk Cousins. 10% of the blame for not having Dalvin Cook and your running game being completely non-existent. I think all of us went into this game saying, all right, what are we confident? Yes, are, are they going to miss Dalvin Cook? Is he a dynamic player? Of course. But Alexander Madison's a capable back. This should be okay. You should still be able to run up run up the middle against the Falcons. You couldn't at all. And it was very frustrating watching Alexander Madison getting stuffed, Mike Boone getting stuffed, and just the usage of both of them in general was really confusing to me. And now Zimmer is... Doubling down, we didn't run the football enough yesterday. I'm seeing post-game comments and comments today about it. That's really frustrating. So 10% of the blame goes there. Also 10% of the blame goes to Mike Zimmer for that exact philosophy I just talked about. So that's up to 90% of the pie. And then the final 10% goes to the offensive line. And I know it's easy to blame the offensive line and be like, well, it's also Kirk Cousins too. But they allowed 16 pressures yesterday. 16, and it was a collection. It wasn't just, oh, uh, Ezra Cleveland's having a rough debut or Garrett Bradbury finally came down to earth after a strong mm-hmm. season. All of them played very poorly, multiple pressures allowed. So, again, my pie chart to blame 70% to Kirk Cousins, 10% for not having any semblance of a running game, 10% to Mike Zimmer, and 10% to the offensive line. And just a quick, for the record here, just a quick amendment to what you said. Okay. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. So 16 pressures, according to Pro Football Focus. They did pin three pressures on Kirk Cousins, either holding the ball too long or walking his way into pressure on his own. Got it. So 13 offensive line pressures allowed. Of those 13, the guards, Ezra Cleveland and Dakota Dozier allowed nine combined pressures 
uh, of those 13. Ezra Cleveland was great on the first interception of the game. If yeah. you guys watched that back, he, he was a brick wall, baby. No excuses on that one, but then he allowed five pressures later on. All right. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. I've got two pieces of pie. That's it for this game. There will be other times and future games to give out more pieces of pie. And so I don't want anyone to think that because I am withholding pie from certain parties that those parties aren't also in my mind. Okay? Like Mike Zimmer does not get a piece of pie this week. It doesn't mean that he's doing a great job coaching. I just feel like this week it's important to emphasize two specific pieces of pie. Okay? The first piece of pie, 5%. Just a little little taste. Slice, little bite. Small, little, little, little taste, small. okay? And it's for Teddy Bridgewater and the Carolina Panthers. Because if they beat the Falcons last week, mm-hmm. oh. or I'm sorry, if they don't beat the Falcons last week, right. if the Falcons get their first win of the season against <laughs> yep. a Panthers team, Dan Quinn doesn't get fired. And if Dan Quinn doesn't get fired, the Falcons probably play like zombies in this game against the Vikings. And then he gets fired because the Vikings beat them. Okay. But because... I've got the stat here, um, including this game yesterday. Since 2010, teams that fire coaches midseason are now 13 and 8 the week after said firing. Okay. And those are like well under 500 teams that are garbage enough to fire a coach. And those teams are now 13 and 8 the week after firing a coach. So if Teddy Bridgewater and the Carolina Panthers had laid down like they were supposed to against the Falcons, Dan Quinn doesn't get fired until this week, which leaves 95% of my pie. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. For Kirk Cousins. Why are you guys so hard on Kirk Cousins? Like, yeah. I feel like we hear that all the time. You guys are you guys light up Kirk Cousins every week, but why didn't you talk about Ezra Cleveland? All right, let's talk about both. <laughs> Ezra Cleveland was garbage in this game, all right? We could do a pie chart like of why he's playing right guard and not left tackle or left guard, but... That's a conversation for later this week. Ezra Cleveland was garbage, okay? Kirk Cousins on the first bleeping play of the game. A play on which Ezra Cleveland was great. Watch it again. Watch the watch the entire offensive line on that first play. It's the brick wall that we all wanted. For years, we've wanted that brick wall on the first play of the game against a bad team at home. Give Kirk a clean pocket. Watch him drop back. And throw darts all over the field like he's Joe Montana. You guys don't appreciate Kirk Cousins. All you guys do is rip on him. Give him an offensive line and see what happens. The offensive line forms a perfectly manicured brick wall to start the game. And Kirk Cousins throws an interception right to a linebacker. What are you doing? You guys practiced all week long. You guys lost close games to undefeated teams. It's time to... Take back what's yours and get on the right track and beat a winless Falcons team. And this bum throws a pick with a perfect pocket to a linebacker to start the game. It's one thing if you're never going to elevate your teammates when they need it. It's one thing if you can't overcome adverse circumstances and unclean pockets. It's another thing if you just actively shipwreck a game out of the gate like he did in the first quarter yesterday. So while there will be time to divvy up other chunks of pie... Kirk Cousins for yesterday gets 95% of my pie chart of blame. The Rock Bravo. knows how you feel about pie. It's time the excuses stop. I'm why don't you, just tired why don't you give it. an offensive line? Why don't you blame the offensive line? Go watch that first play yesterday. Well, and seriously. He's, and he is paid to elevate the entire team. That's what he paid for. Like, if if you if you are, if I'm going to go down the path of, you know what? You're right. 
then I need him to give me back money to spend on other players. But if you're going to take that contract, you have to take that. That's the thing is in a big sports town, they would look at the reality of if you're making as much as Kirk is making, you are paid to win games. If you have to single-handedly, single-handedly, and Kirk in the first half submarine that entire game and that entire team, and he got a two-year, $66 million extension. Not to submarine his team. So I'm just, I'm so tired of the defenders. What are you getting at? Like, what's your point? Look at his contract. You're wrong. You're wrong. He's paid He's paid so much that he has to single-handedly win games if that's what it takes. And by the way, Justin Jefferson gives you a chance to do exactly that, okay? Yeah. Dude, like, what are you... What so, are you defending anymore? Like what? Like what? Why would you even want to defend it? Why would you even want to defend it? What is the point? It is what it is at this point. But they're going to the air, off the play, fake, and it's intercepted right off the bat by Deion Jones. The reality is, if if the pace you know that I'm on in terms of the interceptions, if that were to continue, uh, you know, I I won't finish the season. I won't. You know what I mean? So. Uh, there's a little bit of, you know, you got to improve, whether it's them telling me, hey, you got to improve or or them pulling me. You got to get better, and, and uh, that'll be what the rest of the season will be about for me. <laughs> that is such garbage. When Sean Mannion, they're never going to lift you. You know that, too. Like, there is, there. what he said is just a lie. He's lying to himself. He know or He knows he won't be lifted. That's the maddening thing. Like, he's basically saying, if I don't do my job, I'm going to be fired, full well knowing they'll never fire him. It's a little bit like... It's nonsense. Like, like the Terry Ryan agreement. Remember when yes. Terry Ryan had the lifetime contract? Yes. <laughs> I love Terry Ryan. I don't know why I just compared him to Kirk Cousins. He's much better at his job but Kirk Cousins, for a long time than Kirk but, Cousins was. But yes. what Kirk's saying there is is a non-factor because he knows it's nonsense. Yeah. You know what, though? I this, this, this might only appeal to a small chunk of Vikings <sighs> fans... It's the first time we've even been able to do this. We're a month and a half into the regular season, but the Vikings are off to a terrible start. One of their worst starts in recent history. The only thing that can make you feel a little bit better is some good old-fashioned Packer vent line. Oh! Go, Pack, go! This is the difference between uh, the Packers and the Chiefs. The Chiefs have a high-flying offense. A guy like Le'Veon Bell gets released, and they sign him. They sign him because they're trying to win another Super Bowl. After just uh, come back, you just don't see that from the Packers. And I'm sorry, uh, been a Packer fan my my whole life, and I'm just tired <laughs> of seeing it. When is going to be the right time when we do something to upgrade this team to say to the players in the locker room that we're trying to win this whole damn thing? Go Pack, go! Courtesy of our friends on the uh, Green and Gold post game show on the Fan of Milwaukee. I'm so glad it's back. <laughs> They're five and zero going into that game. Did you guys watch any of that Packers Bucks game yesterday? Thinking as the Packers were just getting their asses kicked, thinking, "Man, if only they had Le'Veon Bell right, right. now. If only they had Le'Veon Bell." Not Aaron game. Jones, one of the best backs in the league, <laughs> I, but uh, we need Lev Bell. I love this. Go Pack, go! Hey, thank you for taking my call. Hey, you bet. Um, uh, Gary kind of stole my thunder about staring down. Um, Aaron Rodgers staring down Adams. Um, I want to go back to Adams' tweet last week before the bye. 
oh, I know my body more than the trainers. He deleted the tweet. Now, after the bye, two weeks, Adams and Aaron Rodgers are probably talking, and it seems like Aaron Rodgers threw out the game plan and wanted to get Adams a ball, no matter what. Because, you know, Adams is a big star. We're going back. Aaron Rodgers (laughs) proved me wrong because he played within the system the last four weeks. He gets a star receiver back, and he's targeting them, staring them down. He's not playing in Matt LaFer's system. <laughs> and I would like your comments because I don't know much. I don't really know much, so if you just comment just on give that. me your comments. But I'll just tell you that he's not playing. Oh, this is oh, it's just, this is one loss, one loss, one loss. Hey, pal, what's up? Man, I can't even think of the words that I want to say. I can't say I'm on the air, man. Um, it feels like last year all over again. We get our butts kicked by the Chargers last year. We go into San Fran, and they annihilate us. And now, you mean to tell me we had to wait two weeks for this bad effort that they put out there today? It was no misdirection. It was no deception on offense, nothing. It was just vanilla, vanilla, vanilla. I love I love bringing up the Chargers game from last year, like a meaningless regular season <laughs> loss to, to the Chargers because that because we have to we have to put that in the context of where they we're never at. forget. Yeah, caller two is the best so far though. Yeah, that was pretty good. I will break down the entire thing, but I know nothing. I don't, I don't really I don't really know anything. <laughs> if you guys could just help me here, I. Hey man, uh, listen. It's, it's, it's losses that you can overcome in the season, and it's losses that just, you know, big steps backwards. I think this was a big step backwards. <laughs> it's over. Go, Pat, go. Listen to the depression in the voices too. They're four and one, but the voices sound like they are probably one and four. I got one more for you. like this because all this does is reaffirm that remember when I was saying about when are they going to play a physical defense or a defense that we can get a better barometer of this team well they met a physical defense today just like I said what happened just like last year San Francisco beat the brakes off them early we we said well it's an early season game they'll shake it off uh, but what happened we, we met San Francisco NFC Championship and it was like a replay the same type of performance. At some point, it comes down to the talent. Go, Pat, go! Poor guys. Mm. I know nothing, but the state of mind of the starting quarterback was this. Here's my deep conspiracy theory about how Devonta Adams and Aaron Rodgers decided to freeze out the rest of the offense. Yes. But I don't know anything. I don't really know anything. <laughs> Actually, I mean, I don't that's, really know. that's just a guess. Just let me know what you guys think. <laughs> Look at that. So. So I don't. Know, I, maybe the Packers can lose a couple. We haven't even been able to do Bears vent line because they keep winning these ugly uh, games too. Five and one, ridiculous. I, I don't want to talk about. It. Actually, did our uh, the defense is good on air production meeting here? Yeah. Did Evan B grab the Nick Foles cut from yesterday? Did you guys hear the Nick Foles cut? No, let me check. And if not, we can. We should definitely just find it real quick here because you want to talk about how frustrated we are with Kirk Cousins' leadership. Yeah, I got. It. Okay, so let me set this up. The Bears are five and one. 
Nick Foles has been the starting quarterback for two or three weeks now. It's ugly. The offense doesn't look amazing. And I, I heard this clip. What's it like a minute long or something? It's, it's two minutes, two and a half minutes long. Let's listen long. to some of it here. Okay. I just want you to listen to, let's I, play a random Kirk Cousins soundbite. Okay. A losing team that's supposed to be maybe even contending for like a playoff run, Vikings, and right. what their quarterback is saying. And then what a 5-1 and one Bears quarterback is saying. So here's the Kirk Cousins bite. Yeah, you, uh, I mean, you go back and correct what took place. You talk about it. You, uh, uh, you know, take the coaching that, that you need to get. And, uh, and you need to, you know, be hard on yourself, too, and coach yourself and uh, identify, you know, why mistakes are happening and, and correct them, fix them, you know, whether that's, um, you know, in the way you prepare on the field, off the field, you know, whatever it may be. So that's me, the sound you heard, wanting to run through a brick wall for my quarterback. I don't know about you guys. Oh, yeah. It's really inspiring oh, yeah, stuff. I love there. it. All right, so that's that's the quarterback speaking on behalf of a team that's wildly underachieving and supposedly frustrated. This is the quarterback of a 5-1 and one football team. Well, I first say, would you rather uh, lose pretty or win ugly? I think that we'd rather win ugly. Um, you know, I think that's the common thing, so... Uh, I think it tells you a lot about our team. Is this who we are offensively? We want to improve. We want to get better. We want to have rhythm. But ultimately in the NFL, it's about winning games. Um, It doesn't matter how you do it. It just matters that you get it done. If you put up 50 points and you lose a game, those 50 points don't mean anything. Um, So right now we're winning games. We're playing together as a team. We can improve. I think that's exciting. If we were winning these games and playing perfect and they were this tight and we're playing perfect, what do you do? Where do you improve? I mean – then we're sitting here as like, man, I, I guess when we just, you know, play those teams, it's just not going to happen. Well, right now we have a lot of areas to improve offensively once again, but we are figuring out ways to, you know, score and get points and move the ball and do those things. We can fix what we're doing. It doesn't happen overnight. Offenses don't get fixed overnight. Sometimes they don't get fixed throughout the course of years. You've seen it in the NFL. There's been teams that have been bad offensively for a very long time. We're not one of those teams. We're a team that's young offensively. We're growing. We're getting to know each other. We're figuring out who we are, and we're doing it at the right time. And as a team, we're winning these games, and I think that's what's important. Now, we're not going to get complacent and say, hey, man, we're 5-1. and one. This is it. No, like we're sitting there in the locker room after the game talking through it. Hey, we got to be better here. This is what we got to do here. Communication here, route running here. Hey, we got to be able to run the ball here. We know that. I know you are going to ask those questions. We know that. And that's what's exciting because we don't have to have y'all say, hey, you doing this. Hey, we know. But we also know that we're going to improve because we believe in one another. And that's what great teams do. Great teams find a way to win a game. Bad teams win with prettiness. Great teams win <laughs> no matter how it takes. So I'm proud of our guys. All right. I, I, I think we're continuing to improve. Well, that's good. It was the, the second part of that is what I wanted you guys yeah, to yeah. hear, how he's just saying – the first part was cliches, and actually, because we should run that on Purple Daily, mm-hmm. let's just cut that first part of cliches out entirely, Absolutely. so we can get to the point on it, but um, I love that. He's basically saying, like, and just like the way he talks, like he talks like a real confident human who connects with people, and Kirk talks like a corporate-made mannequin quarterback who's, like, programmed to say things yeah. after he throws touchdowns and interceptions. Kirk, Kirk's saying what he thinks you should hear. Nick Foles is saying what he really thinks yes like Kirk is never that, that's the problem Kirk is not real Kirk is a more talented quarterback than Nick Foles Nick Foles is a better leader than Kirk Cousins therefore I'd rather have Nick Foles right personally and, but if Kirk Cousins could find if he has a real personality I'd like to hear it like he is constantly spewing it's not it's not the cliches it's what he thinks 
he's trying to shape things towards the direction that he thinks we should hear things. That's a coach's job. That's not a quarterback's job. A quarterback like Kirk should get up and say what Nick Foles said, which is, and by the way, too, after your performance, in Kirk's case, yesterday, no wheeze. Like, we got the wheeze. We need to do this. I need to win, but then it turns into we, which is a real problem. That's an I day. I yes. need to do that. I yes. shouldn't have done that. It's, it's an I day. Yes. You take full, you fall on that sword. Even if you don't believe it, you fall on that sword and you do not include the rest of the offense because you know what that says then to your teammates? Oh, he's taking responsibility. We yes. appreciate that. Deflect credit, accept blame. That's what a great leader does yeah. in these situations. If you throw three interceptions in the first half, I'm with Judd. That is, I yep. need to be better. Even if you know that there were problems and that wide receivers ran the wrong routes, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. A great leader swallows it, owns it. And on the flip side, if you guys go for 350 yards, that's a we. We, we, we did great. Even if it was you overcoming how stupid your teammates are. Like, sure. that's a we, 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 we. So, well, we can't wrap the episode. Let's let's do this. Let's do things we learned on NFL Sunday tomorrow because we, we've gone long um, with our Sid Hartman tribute, but we have to at least squeeze in some silver linings as we do whenever the Vikings lose Viking silver linings on a Monday here on Mackie and Judd. So uh, Judd Zolgad, you're on the tee box. What's your tee one up? What, what are your, what's hold on? Let me put the lining. Let me put the ball down and get out my (laughs) nine iron to try and hit it. Um, All right. I, I think I've got the obvious one here. Because there is one. There is definitely one. And this guy is just darn good. Justin Jefferson. And I know it came in garbage time, too, but I'm not faulting him, okay? Nine catches, 166 yards, two touchdowns. This guy is a Pro Bowl player right now. Yes, He's that good. Um, He needs to be involved and incorporated, I think, almost constantly. He is talented enough to find ways to be incorporated, so don't give me this. Well, he's being doubled, and now we can't go to him, okay? I don't buy that. Um, but I think that's the obvious one. Like, they they hit this pick. This is a home run pick. Yes. This kid is special. This kid is going to be great. And I, I can only hope that this team starts to get things in the next year or so, right it as far as the quarterback and the offense goes, uh, because this guy should be on highlights nationally almost every Sunday. I'm trying to think of how many, this is going to sound crazy, how many wide receivers I know for a fact are better than Justin Jefferson in the NFL right now. It is not a very long list. There might be two that were on the field for the Falcons yesterday, like Julio Jones is still ridiculous. Calvin yeah. Ridley's ridiculous. Calvin Ridley's very good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you might put those guys on. I think you probably put another handful of guys but on. Jefferson, DeAndre Hopkins. Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas. But just Justin Jefferson is just getting started. That's the scary thing. Yeah, he's 21, right? Like he's a mm-hmm. kid. In game what six? So I mean, we're talking we're talking about a kid who's just starting. Yeah, he is only. Let me find this here. Only I think the third or fourth player in NFL history. Here it is. Players with three or more 100 yard receiving games in their first six career games: Justin Jefferson, Julio Jones, Amari Cooper, and Byron Williams. That's it. <laughs> Randy Moss, I think, did it three times, maybe four in his entire rookie season. We think of that rookie season. It was really, it was the Dallas game. It was the Green Bay game. He caught a ton of touchdowns. And then a bunch of yeah, touchdown the touchdowns catches. Touchdowns are, yep. are what uh, stick with us, I think. Yep. 
So uh, Justin Jefferson is very much on track for one of the great rookie wide receiver seasons of all time. And yeah, yeah a lot of it was in garbage time. And but, that's with, with his first two games basically being nothing. Yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. Declan, what's your silver lining for the Vikings? You know, I actually think Jeff Gladney is slowly taking steps forward. And even a number came out from PFF this morning that said he's actually the NFL's top graded cornerback against the run this year. Okay. And you know what? Like, I look, he's a cornerback. I would prefer for him to be dominant against the pass. Obviously, that's his main objective. But I do think tackling is important and being instinctive is important. And it's a, it's a slow burn. There was no training camp here. There was no preseason. But I do think there is uprising happening with the cornerbacks on this team and Jeff Gladney and obviously Cameron Dantzler as well. Are they perfect products right now? God, no. But I do think that they're making steps forward to be successful cornerbacks in the NFL. Yeah, he. there was that one play, I think it was him, that it was the Matt Ryan sort of joystick play where Ryan yeah. looked like he was going to run. Then he took a step back off the line of scrimmage and threw that lob pass. That was so pretty. That was awesome. And Julio Jones went from blocking Jeff Gladney for Matt Ryan to then just slipping behind Jeff Gladney, yes. catching the pass like an NBA player in the low post, and Gladney lost his footing on that play. And that's all over the highlights today. But that was such a nice play by them. Cam Dantzler, I think, was targeted 14 times, and there were like 10 or 11 catches on Cam Dantzler. But, he had a bad day. But still, I think this is this can, this can wind up being good experience for those guys. Like This is them being thrown right into the fire. It's Julio Jones. It's Calvin Ridley. It's Devontae Adams in a couple of weeks here. So you might as well get it all out of your system. It was mm-hmm. T.Y. Hilton, I think. Like There's been some good wide receivers on the slate. All right, my, my silver lining is more big picture. The Vikings are only one game out of the number one overall draft hey, slot right now. That is the silver lining. They are you one found five. Yeah. They're tied right now. Preach. Record-wise with the Giants, with Washington. The Chargers are one and four. We need a Jets win. Houston, Jacksonville, both one and five. Bad. Actually, what we need is a Jets firing of... Adam Gaze. Yes, which I'm afraid is not going to happen. Like, they're going to keep losing for Adam Gaze because he's just just obviously, like, the least likable coach in the NFL. What's that? So is there an assistant coach that would take over and click with Sam Darnold a little bit and just get these guys feeling like three wins? Can they? Yeah, I like I, your, I love where you're coming from. I think the best case scenario for the Jets from a Vikings perspective is three and 13. Like, can, they, can, can the Jets find three wins after they fire Adam Gaze? And I'm then, afraid they're not going to fire him. They're going to fire him. They should fire him. I'm afraid they're not going to. What's the, what's the first tiebreaker after record? So if like the Vikings and Jets were 3-13, and 13, what's the next? Do we know what it is? So I think tankathon.com, I believe they currently have the tiebreaker because it's not head-to-head. Yep, it has nothing to do with head-to-head. I think it's strength of schedule. Hmm. And so if you, uh, let's say uh, you had the Vikings and the Jets are both tied at 3-13 and 13 or something. Viking strength of schedule is better, I think, right? But the weaker strength of schedule is the tiebreaker. Right. Because what you're, what you're, what they're saying, according to tankathon.com, and I might be wrong on this, we can check for tomorrow. What they're saying is if you both played the same record, but you played a weaker schedule than I did and still lost those games, oh. then you are more worthy of the number one pick. Got okay. It. I think that's how it works. Yeah, we'll have to check okay. that. Okay. So right now the Vikings actually have the sixth pick, according to tankathon.com, right, even though, though they're one in five. The Jets, the Jets need to fire gays. I'm afraid that the one thing the Jets are smart enough to do, though, is appreciate how absolutely horrid they are and then not fire him. But I hope you're right, because if they fire him, you're probably talking three wins. Yeah. And then like the Texans are going to win some games. The Texans were right in there. with. Oh, the I think the Texans are. Yeah, I think the Texans are fine. Yeah, I think the Texans are fine. Even the Jaguars, man. Gardner Minshew's got two or three games of magic left in him, doesn't he? The Vikings could make a couple trades. They could trade Riley Reef in a week or two. That's what they that's what this week should be about, by the way. 
There's some bloggers and some. I saw I'd our be guy burn fo- up the phone lines. I'm going to put this reckless speculation into the universe because our right. friend Vikesfan 1930 tweeted it. Yeah, I saw this last night. Reckless speculation. He's saying, and I don't know if he is saying this himself. He also like tagged Viking Age in there, Vikings blog. So he's saying either second or third hand that some reliable sources are telling him that players are asking for trades behind the scenes. I think it's a second hand report. I think he's getting it from a guy who he says was very credible on what other issue. There there was something that did happen. Oh, Diggs. That's right. So random bloggers and fans are saying that everyone wants out. Reckless speculation. Well, if they don't, who cares? Still trade them. I agree. 100%. Rudolph, Reef, Anthony Harris. If you're not bolted down, everything must go. Harrison Smith. The fire sale. Um, If I get calls, I'm listening. He's for, 30. I'm listening for sure. There is nobody, if, if the cap implications aren't too much, there is nobody on this roster short of Jefferson, Daniil Hunter, like a very small list. There is nobody that I'm going to hang up the phone on you. Yeah. So and I'm pl- taking draft picks, by Plenty way. more to talk about throughout the rest of this week. And and, and we, we are going to mix in. We've got some lists as it pertains to the trade deadline. We're probably going to do that on Purple Daily. So if you're not already subscribed to Purple Daily, and listening to our daily Vikings conversations or watching them on youtube.com slash purple daily podcast. We appreciate everyone getting us over 10,000 subscribers on that YouTube channel. And we're almost to a thousand subscribers on our other YouTube channel, youtube.com slash score North MN. And again, be sure to check out Judd Zolgad and Patrick Royce telling Sid Hartman stories on Royce Unchained. So we'll see you guys tomorrow. This holiday, whether you're making a Fred Meyer Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Fred Meyer has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. Already? I'll be right there. It's happening. Take I-5 South. You are on the fastest route. Mom says, OMG, I'll let everyone go. Have a ride. Honey, I'm, I'm right here. She's doing great. We're almost there. She's perfect. Hey, baby girl. The whole world can't wait to meet you. Live larger with more coverage. Share your news, big and small, on AT&T, the network that now covers more than 99% of Oregonians. Visit your AT&T store to learn more. Coverage isn't available everywhere based on third-party data.